0: And welcome to NASIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Matt Pincus here in Washington, D.C. On today's episode, we are excited to have Ohio CIO Irvin Rogers return to NASIO Voices. We talked with Irvin really at the outset of the pandemic in April. And our conversation focused on how his Department of Information Technology was responding to COVID-19 in Ohio.
0: Matt and I have been talking for a while about how we wanted to have Irvin back on to tell us more about his background, as well as topics around mentorship and his own experience, putting a dedicated focus on hiring a more diverse workforce. Well, without further ado, Irvin, welcome back to Nasty Voices, and thanks so much for joining us.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for inviting me back. I'm honored, and um, I'm excited about today's conversation.
1: We're excited too. So let's start. The last time we interviewed you was last spring, which feels like it was an eternity ago, but we were all so focused on the pandemic. We, we really neglected to ask you about your background and how you became state CIO. So let's talk about that.
2: You know, it's been an interesting uh, journey from private sector to, to public sector. It all happened what seems like you know a, a lifetime ago, but it's only been six years prior to coming to the state. I actually worked in uh, as a consultant, both for EDS and Accenture, traveling the globe. What brought me here to Ohio, I haven't always been uh, in the Ohio community, but after 16 years, three kids going through OSU, uh, one's graduated, uh, one's a senior graduating in May, and I've got a sophomore. You can really embrace the OHIO. Um, <laughs> It's it's become a part of my DNA, but you know, coming from Michigan, you know, I, it was uh, wasn't always something I embraced uh, the first year. But uh, like I said, over time, it got there. So I, I came here to basically take a job. I had four opportunities in front of me, and one of them was kind of like a, a childhood dream to work for Microsoft. Uh, it was pretty cool to get the offer in the mail, and it wasn't enough to make the commute all the way out to the state of Washington. So, I found an opportunity here in Columbus, Ohio, with a mid region bank uh, looking to expand their portfolio and grow bigger, grow larger through acquisitions. So, I took that opportunity on. The entire time, there was a burning desire that I had never fulfilled, and it was to become a CIO. And over time, working for this uh, organization, I continued to strive for trying to make a segment CIO. That didn't happen. Um, so I eventually hired a career coach. That career coach helped me to realize that I was getting in the way of my own self. Uh, we mapped out a game plan, it took us about six months, and she helped me determine that I was really going after the ability to give back and to create teams and collaborate. And in order to do that, I might need to you know, take a look at my priorities and put one of them on the shelf. One of them was, was money. So after I took money and put that onto the shelf, it opened up a broad spectrum of opportunities. A layoff came, and I knew that I had the plan. So when I got the plan and added it to my uh, uh, severance package that I got, it was um, an opportunity for me to really look widely. I didn't know anybody in state government, I really didn't pay attention other than going to go vote. And uh, someone walked on resume down to the hallway to the then Attorney General, Mike DeWine, uh, his chief chief operating officer. And um, that's how it wrote. Yeah, it started out as a deputy CIO and uh, three months later became CIO, spent four years there. And now I've been two years as state CIO. So a total of six years all together. This has been an incredible journey. I'm having tons of fun. People ask me all the time, why are you so happy? I'm living my dream.
1: So a couple things, right? It's really interesting to hear you talk about this journey. And um, I, I think, you know, in my opinion, and probably Amy's opinion, you know, you are one of the best spokespeople that that we have as, you know, a state CIO in terms of talking about that passion that that you really have for public service. So we certainly appreciate that. And then, you know, you mentioned working for now Governor DeWine when he was attorney general. So a combination of being good at your job and and also luck, right? I mean, who could have known that he was going to be the next governor of of the state and you were going to be the next state CIO, Right.
2: Absolutely. I still remember the call. I have it recorded just for, for keepsake. sake. <laughs> started out as a voicemail. I got that. And then uh, we had a conversation. He knew that I had a strong desire to go back to private after the four years. But he pretty much told me to forget all about that. He had something bigger for me to do. And my job in, in the public industry wasn't done yet and that I needed to stay. And uh, he was right. This has been nothing but just a blessing
1: you mentioned leadership and you certainly have a an important role in your state's leadership as as the CIO so let's talk about leadership a, a little bit you know this is a an industry that is dominated by white men in your own personal view do you think you have faced additional challenges in your career and your rise to CIO that you know many of your your white peers may have not
2: you know that that's an interesting uh, question um by default, it's a matter of how you look at life. Uh, I am uh, no stranger to you know, being or facing discrimination. Uh, however, I made the decision, uh, the way that my parents raised me, was that I own my own response. And so I have worked countless hours to perfect my craft, perfect my, my, my skill set and my desire to, to be the best Irvin that I can be. No one can beat me at being me. <laughs> um, and as long as you keep that mantra in place, there will come times where, you know, you're faced with a, a wall, but it's, it's how you respond to that wall. And there have been some very frustrating times in my career. But I've also had, you know, supporting folks that have been very supportive of me as well. But I'll never forget a time where I was told that I would never be CIO. I had shared confidentially with a uh, leader that I wanted to be CIO. And they told me that you'll never be CIO. And had I believed them, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. The conversation went on to uh, not only will you not be CIO, but if you ever get a chance to be CIO, you'll not be CIO until your late 50s. Well, let's just say I made CIO before I turned 40. You know, I just counted it, count it a blessing to be able to uh, stay focused on my mission, my goal, having a supportive wife and family mom and dad to, you know, continue to encourage me along the way. So I I always say that you own your career and you have to manage it. And I didn't always do that. So despite those that uh, may have tried to stop progress, they may have for a little bit, but in the end, I'm going to continue to uh, lead with no fear. That takes time. That takes a lot of time to time, dedication it didn't happen overnight. Um, so sometimes most folks are looking at the iceberg above the water and not, you know, the uh, uh, what's underneath the water. So,
0: so Irvin, I think now more than ever, uh, government and private sector IT leaders are acknowledging that they need to put a greater focus on hiring both women and minorities. And before we get into how they can do that, what in your view are some of the reasons that the technology workforce is currently lacking in both women and minorities?
2: You know, I think it's a matter of, you know, first off, where are you fishing for talent? There are so many untapped uh, markets and pools of employees that, as state government, we have to be very creative in our recruiting because nine times out of 10, we can't compete with the base salary that the uh, private industry can. However, if we're able to, you know, sell the 360 degree viewpoint and get them to see the longer term strategy, That's my strategy for selling state government. And from an opportunity to the the untapped market, I go to a lot of, uh, well, pre-pandemic, I went to a lot of networking events, but I've had to continue to be creative uh, by using my LinkedIn profile to attract talent, talking to the boot camps around town, such as Briscollis. We have a number of them here in central Ohio that um, I make a point to visit, mentor, get the word out. And then I get an opportunity to really tap into a market where uh, folks typically don't get a chance or don't know about. So I, I get a chance to help them see the way, see the light, and get them to apply to various positions. So at least we're increasing that, that pool of um, uh, diverse candidates. I personally have made it my mission to make it a part of my, my tool belt, uh, Go Forward Strategy and Recruiting. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done some amazing things based on the administration, you know, policies around diversity and inclusion, right? It always helps when it, there's a policy at the top of the house when you're trying to uh, figure out what your piece of the pie is. You know, mm-hmm. um, when I first started out as CIO, uh, we, we hired four women in CIO agency spots where it sounds funny to say 50% increase. Uh, but, you know, we went from two to four. Um, And we've continued to add to that number over time. In addition to that, minority CIOs as well. So, you know, we have a a really, really great approach in our hiring practices, especially at the CIO level. I always feel that you get a better product in the end, in the event that you are, you know, taking a look at those elements um, as you're building your teams out.
0: Yeah, for sure. So so you think one of the, the reasons that there aren't more, you know, applicants, for example, is just sort of lack of awareness and lack of recruitment by those companies or those organizations?
2: Nine times out of 10, people don't know about, you know, how great the state is. Mm-hmm. And I am not shy at all about talking about, you know, the things we're doing here in the state of Ohio, using my LinkedIn profile to bring awareness. I always like to say, this is not your grandfather's state government we're creative, innovative, this is a spot you want to be in, especially if you want to make a difference.
0: Yeah. So when you think about this desire for, you know, a more diverse applicant pool and a workforce, you know, I assume that there are probably some shorter term solutions and some longer term solutions. So first, what are things that a CIO could do this month or this year to get more diverse applicants?
2: You know, I would say networking is king. Even though we're in a pandemic, you know, those groups have turned to virtual uh, mechanisms and really have opened up the doors even far wide, you know, greater opportunity to connect. So being intentional with your moves to go after untapped population, you're, you're going to come away with not only diverse candidates, but qualified candidates, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that it's nothing like having both of those combinations. I always say that one thing to, you know, go after diversity, but you want to also make sure that you have that equality as well. And you can achieve that by tapping into what we have here. Um, I'll use Ohio as an example. There's a gentleman by the name of Doug McCullough, who's the uh, city of Dublin's CIO. He started a group called Black Tech 614. It's a technology organization dedicated to African-American executives. And that's one group that I've tapped into. Uh, There's another group, per you know it has a combination of women those that may have not completed a four-year degree but are looking to tap into the uh, technology field so you get a whole host of folks by tapping into that that particular organization so i think it's a matter of where you're actually targeting your marketing campaign to Um, a lot of what i do is grassroots again i'm competing with some pretty heavy hitters in the ohio area for talent so i've got to be creative i've got to go there myself and partner with my HR partners, partner with my communications team in order to get that message out. Mm
0: -hmm. That's great. And then how do you respond when somebody says, maybe it's a a different CIO, or maybe it's someone in HR, but we don't get any applications from Black or female candidates?
2: Uh, You're not looking hard enough.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, did you, uh, are you relying solely on the the posting on the job board of your company, uh, you know, for the state of Ohio or for uh, you know, for your state, are you actually going out talking to the universities? Uh, do you have black universities in your uh, in your state? So a lot of it is taking ownership and responsibility of trying to get that word out. Once you put a little effort into it, it catches on like wildfire and um, people point back to, hey, you should go talk to you know, Irvin. Yes, it's an it's additional. Feels like a a marketing job on the weekend. But I put the time forth. And dedicated blocks uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm reaching out to folks. So I want folks to know that we are a very inclusive uh, environment and we're, you know, we're trying to innovate at the speed of light, especially during this pandemic. Come be a part Great. of it.
0: Excellent.
1: So Irvin, we know that prior to the pandemic, state governments, at least the vast majority of them did not really have a remote work culture. But do you think that the sort of geographic hiring restrictions that have been loosened a little bit by the pandemic can play a role in hiring more diversity in less diverse areas of the country?
2: You know, absolutely. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the workplace of tomorrow pans out. You know, we've certainly proven that we can work from home. In an environment where you know the citizens expected us to be in buildings and you know uh, physically available, and now that we're in this, everyone has to you know do their part to help flatten the curve and stop the spread. As we get shots in arms, I'm thinking that you know the workplace of tomorrow will be definitely different than what it traditionally was in the past, and I'm excited about the doors that it will open up from a recruiting possibility. Right, we've got an extra carrot whether it be a hybrid, you know, depending on what we decide long term. But, you know, I I think it's some fashion, you know, parts of the stay at home will, will, will stay in place. Time will tell.
1: For sure. So what are your thoughts on how to encourage and sort of educate future generations of, in particular, women and minorities to look at IT and cybersecurity as a career path?
2: You know, I am really fond of the Cyber Ohio Initiative, The Innovate Ohio initiative, you know, all underneath the Innovate Ohio umbrella. But there are several facets where, you know, we sponsor girls code, you know, girls in cyber security. Uh, We bring the opportunity to them, right? We're meeting them where they are. And I I think that's where how you can change the the future forecast by getting to the high schoolers. Before the pandemic hit, we were on site with uh, Tech Talks. I'm excited to get back to, you know, some kind of a virtual a means a mechanism to do that. A lot of it is just opening up the eyes and making folks aware that not only can you do it, but look how cool it is. Mm-hmm. Check this out, you know, um, you know, being able to just, again, meet them where they are, allow them to ask questions. You know, I, I think we have seen an opportunity present itself, especially in our apprenticeship program, uh, where we're starting to market that in places that we typically wouldn't, you know, by default, you just kind of think that people will come to my job or my job board. You know, We're being proactive in our approaches, especially with the new diversity inclusion uh, initiatives uh, coming from the governor's office.
1: It sounds like a lot of this is is really, you know, grassroots, right? I mean, going out and, you know, and talking to folks and sort of letting them in on on the secret that, you know, service and state government is fantastic and rewarding. And I think it really, in my mind, it really takes a good spokesperson like yourself to convince them of that.
2: You know, I think for the most part, I agree with you 100%. Um, in addition to, you know, having a spokesperson, you, you've got to learn how to partner or you will you won't be available to everybody when everyone needs you. So having strong partners is key and critical. I still do mentoring and reaching out, talking about opportunities on Saturday mornings. Before I would go to coffee shops and I used to have to change up the coffee shop because people would catch on to where I was at. <laughs> and uh, you know, I would I would lose the opportunity to talk to mentees and people interested in jobs and there'd be a long list of vendors. I'm like, no, that's not my focus right now. You know, I'm dedicating the Saturday morning with my wife's, you know, approval and support. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yes, she supports all my crazy ideas and habits. And so now I've switched that up to 15-minute slots on Saturday mornings from 9 to about 11. And I'm able to fit even more people um, into that particular window. And uh, it all starts with a LinkedIn post. And it just kind of takes on a life of its own from there. So
0: Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about more about mentorship. Obviously, you find it important. And so did you have someone that was a mentor to you early on in your career? Or do you have one currently in your career?
2: Um, I have lots of mentors. I refer to it as uh, my board of directors. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's important to let people know what role they play in your career. Right. And, you know, even uh, our friend Doug Robinson, Nacio's executive director, has a role. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of the godfather. He, he has such a wealth of knowledge that I walk away with something every single time I talk to him, whether it's a quote saying, you guys work with him every day. So you probably already know that, get yeah. a, a dose of that, right? I um, feel
1: lucky to have him as a mentor too. Yeah,
2: he's a good dude. Um, the, the other thing is, you know, I have, you know, mentors that, that are helping me from a career standpoint. That's my career coach. I have strategic folks that are helping me to think about concepts and my approach, making sure that they are a great sounding board. I leverage my direct reports; they're getting an the opportunity to mentor me. They just don't know it, um, but again, mm-hmm. you know, it, they're a part of my board of directors. That you know, it's important to to establish that and make sure you let people know. You know what role they play in your career. And you'll be surprised at the, the responses that you get. But I've always had mentors. So I think that it's important to listen to someone that's already been there, done that. There's a lot that you can gain in a short amount of time and use less cycles trying to figure it out on your own.
0: Yeah. So early on in your career, was there like one specific person that came to you and was like, hey, you need to look in this direction or a lot of people? Or was that just kind of like your own initiative?
2: No, there was a lot of people. Everyone from my dad, my mom, my, my mother-in-law, uh, my mother-in-law was actually the one who first got me my internship with computers mm. and it took off from there, right? I was kind of lost, but that internship turned into a help desk you know, position. You know, my grandfather was very, very uh, instrumental. You know, it's just, just been a whole host of folks, you know, all the way going back to playing drums in the in the church, to taking my first technical call on the help desk. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So would you say, I I think you probably have like a, a unique leadership style or fun leadership style maybe, but who or what inspired that leadership style for you?
2: You know, I've had some pretty interesting managers throughout my career. And I've always said that I've taken a little bit of each of them to create what I call my management style. I wanted to be able to execute, you know, like some of my managers did. I wanted to give credit where credit was due, you know, like some of my managers did, unlike some of my managers did. And so I just took bits and pieces and parts. And at the same time, I went to have fun mm-hmm. and the having fun part. I never figured out where to put that, insert that <laughs> <laughs> until I started state government. Mm-hmm. And it was really having a no fear leadership mentality doing the right thing at all costs. That's something that I hope to you know, take back with me to the private industry whenever that time comes.
1: All right. Well, Irvin, before we end our interview, and especially because we didn't get to do this last time you were on, we're going to ask you some hard-hitting, rapid-fire questions in a segment we call The Lightning Round. Uh-oh. Are you ready, sir? Bring it. All right. First question. Who is the most popular NASIO Voices guest in our history of doing this podcast?
2: You guys got some stellar folks that you've been working with. Uh, I I don't know.
1: We need an answer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So mean. How about John McMillan?
1: John McMillan was a very popular guest, but um, everyone seems to pale in comparison to you, sir.
2: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: Wow. Wow, most, listened to, most listened to in, in, in Nassio Voices history. So breaking Shock. records.
2: Shock. All right. I'm, I almost said James uh, Collins. So uh, man, I'm,
1: I'm touched. Also, also a, a popular episode. All right. Second question. Have you had any projects that have failed that you have personally grown from?
2: Absolutely. I had a $20 million project that I reflected on. Uh, you always have failures. Uh, But if you don't learn from those failures, you tend to repeat them. And the one thing that I failed to do was to uh, communicate beyond my direct manager, communicate up a level. And I said that I would never not do that again. And that's part of the no fear, right? I was fearful of what my manager would say or do in direct conflict of interest. So
1: the trials and tribulations, but certainly a a good learning experience. Absolutely. All right. Question number three. This is a positive image. Imagine we are back together in person for the first time since the pandemic, and I pray for that day to come soon. And naturally, you are on the turntables. What's the first song you're putting on?
2: Uh, You know what? I I would have to say it's a celebration at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're uh-huh. we're back together again. I so miss it so so dearly. It yep. have to be Bruno Mars Twenty Four Magic.
1: Okay, Twenty Four K Magic. That's that's what it have to be.
0: DJCIO.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. Final question in the lightning round. So for anyone who has ever met you, they would not be wrong to think that you work for the Ohio Department of Tourism. <laughs> what is your favorite Ohio? Oh. IO specific food.
2: I'm gonna cheat because you to. because you said uh oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a good
0: Buckeyes. that's a good one. That's really the only thing I could think of. But then I started thinking about Skyline chili and graters ice cream and mm. then it just went from there. But yeah,
2: yeah. They can those, be hungry. Are all, those are all good things too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Irvin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. You know, this is an important topic, and we are grateful for your willingness to discuss it with us and the state IT community today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor and pleasure to work with such talented, creative folks, uh, such as, you know, Amy and, you know, Matt. Uh, You guys are tremendous. The NASIO staff is fantastic. I love you guys. I love working with you guys. Uh, You guys make my job easier.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Irvin. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Nacio Voices.
0: Remember, you can go to Nacio's Resource Center anytime to download our reports, surveys, and recorded virtual conference sessions. This is open to anyone. And you can find other episodes of Nacio Voices at nacio.org slash podcast or wherever you usually get your podcasts.
1: Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Nacio Voices. Have a great day.
0: Bye.